Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It's 3.45 a.m. in Antelope, Oregon. And you're listening to Night Call. Hi guys, I'm Tess Lynch in LA and with me are Molly Lambert and Emily Oshida in New York. Give us a call at 24046-NIGHT or email us at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com with your burning questions, thoughts, ghost stories, conspiracy theories, anything you want to talk about. This week, we are going to pick up talking about Wild Wild Country because we've all almost finished it or finished it and it's too good for just one episode. So Molly, you finished the doc. What you are finished you? it. Oh, she yeah. finished it. She okay. wins. Uh, yeah, there's like five more twists at the end that yeah. uh, I was saying as the doc is kind of slow paced. And then at the end, there's like a bunch of stuff where I'm like, hey, wait, <laughs> I would like to know more about that part. 
really I, breezed past that. There's so much um, wild, wild country content out there right now. And it's totally killing me because I don't want to read any of it until I'm finished. Like, but I, I mean, I've seen these headlines on Vulture, the site that I work at, just like, uh, you know, the directors of wild, wild country still aren't sure who's right. And so at least I know that that's like still going to remain the same where I'm just, I have no idea how to even begin to think about who I I agree with. Yeah, we were talking about that because I was thinking it was really funny in the first episode we did about this. We were all like, seems great, guys. I don't know what could (laughs) possibly go wrong with this, even though we knew there was like a twist. Well, I had seen I had seen where they start poisoning people um, and drugging the homeless people, which is just, you know, a plus, you know, you know, you're on a great path when you're tranquilizing homeless people. Yeah, Tess was just saying that's when uh, that's when you turn on the call. I was also saying that initially we had kind of we, we were like, okay, these people in Oregon are being pretty racist and pinning a lot of, you know, their reception to these people as being from racism. I mean, I think I assumed that. The fact that they saw a lot of white hipsters following an Indian guru and they were kind of like, okay, this seems threatening. This seems strange. So I automatically was not on their side. Yeah. I mean, I think both things are true. I think the the white people in Oregon are racist and also the cult is evil. I mean, well, the cult is so evil. Well, what you realize is like, it's maybe it's maybe just Sheila that's evil. Well, and I think that there is sort of kind of the argument of would any of this happened if the community had been more more welcoming to them when they showed up. But also, and one thing that I think that the doc, as far as I've gotten through it, has alighted, and this goes to my my second secondhand encounter with Osho this past weekend, um, is I think that the doc has really kind of glossed over how... Uh, prominent the sex aspect of the the Bhagwan following whatever Rajneeshism, which uh, d- dies in a certain episode, the one I just watched. Uh, they kill Rajneeshism, but but still, it was like a really big part of it um, that they kind of mentioned at the beginning, like, oh, it was the sex guru, but that was a really big part of it. And the women, well, oh, what? Go ahead. I because I was already reading about cults a lot before this came out, um, just because. We all are interested in cults and talk about them a lot. Um, there's like a history of cults in America that are like Eastern religion themed, but then are like about sex. Uh, yeah. And so I was reading about there was like a cult in upstate New York in maybe like turn of the century, I want to say. That was the first cult that like brought the idea of Tantra over to America and mm. associated it with sex, which it was not in India it was yeah. like its own thing but they like kind of rebranded it as like bring their made it sexier. repressed western uh, like yeah. must go after all things horny yeah, yeah and the sort of orientalism of like the mystical east where everybody knows how to bone in yeah. a different way <laughs> um, but it was it sort of began this tradition of people having these sort of free love cults that are sort of Eastern religion themed, but really have nothing to do with Eastern religion. They just are, those are the trappings well, and style. It, yeah. It's like, it's just the same way that I think the, the townspeople on Antelope saw this non-traditional community where, you know, marriage wasn't necessarily a part of how communities were built and it was more communal. I mean, I'm being very re- repetitive here, but that, you know, that threat to the nuclear family, 
always then becomes anxiety about sex. But like the inverse is true too, where you you can, you know, wanna wanna have something that doesn't necessarily resemble a nuclear family, some sort of like utopian post-patriarchal um, situation, but then it always comes back to sex also. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, the documentary did have some some pretty great sex footage. Um, I also thought it was super interesting, like that even that spread out with that much land that people are very nimbyish about the sounds of the great sex. I mean, that must have been some really it must have been great. (laughs) And it was kind of blamed on the lack of trees. It was like it's just echoing over the plains. I was like, okay, well, this cult seems fine. Um, But yeah, I also was reading on Wikipedia. I mean, some of the the Bhagwan's um, beliefs were a little more troubling than I at least heard in the documentary as far as I got. I just finished the fourth episode. But he first he had kind of like an end of days you yeah. know, thing going where he he thought that everything was going to end in the 90s. Yeah. Um, and then he also he he kind of espoused like a form. Molly was saying like it's kind of eugenics-y where um, it's built off of what I agree with of like if you're you know terminally ill and you want to end your life fine but then he kind of extended that to the idea that if you're unhappy with your body or someone else's if you're not beautiful like maybe get rid of you and i was like yeah, oh my god really ill it's 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 eugenics he's it's into eugenics. eugenics and he's like his ex- explanation is like well like if we don't take control of eugenics like the nazis are going to anyway so like we better do like Let's eugenics do it our way, good, which is like not a thing. <laughs> but I do feel like that's how a lot of like tech people probably think. Oh, totally. Like, yeah. yeah. Ours is eugenics the Atlanta has made, lighted. Yeah. Eugenics has made a comeback. I was just thinking about it. I was like the main difference between like girls and hoodies and night call is that we talk about like Nazis a lot more. <laughs> well, you're finding it's a lot of connections, hoodies. Molly. You know, it's all connected. Uh, I was reading about the Nike guy some more to try and find out more about that swoosh, which I did. Do tell. Mm-hmm. It is a, a alternate swoosh that's not used as much called a pinwheel swoosh. Okay. And what you can't really see in that photo is that there are like lighter, it's like two swooshes, two swooshtikas like over each other. <laughs> so there's actually like an eight pointed thing. So it's like a sunburst the, with swooshes. It's a sunburst with swooshes, but the way that it looks when it's printed, it's like you just see the white someone, ones. It, it looks like a swastika. Um, but I couldn't find anything damning about Bill Bowerman, the Nike guy. He seems like maybe he was fine. Maybe he was like a xenophobic, uh, guy, well, but he's like, we'll a like Steve Jobs. he's for, like a for Steve the Jobs of sneakers. Thing. Yeah. But, um, the Adidas and Puma guys were for sure in the SS. Um, and I learned a lot about them. Their name were the Dossler brothers, uh, Adi and something Dossler, uh, Adi is short for Adolf. And his name is uh, Adolf Dossler, and Adidas is his nickname, Adi, Adi Das. Um, but they were Nazis, but they also uh, decided that they would get Jesse Owens to wear their shoes in the 1936 Olympics. So they were n- Nazis, but also capitalists who were like, we're going to get an endorsement from this guy. Whatever works. That yeah. uh, is going to win. Um, and he did, obviously. He won four gold medals in their shoes. So then after... World War II, when all the other Germans were broke, they made a lot of money by marketing the shoes that Jesse Owens won four gold medals in. Uh, so they were like sellout Nazis. Yeah. Um, That's anyway, streetwear. <laughs> you learned a lot about the origins of many streetwear brands. Um, 
Well, I, I, I alluded to this earlier, but I did meet somebody who had um, met the Bhagwan. In the I haven't 70s. heard this story. I'm so excited. Molly mentioned it. Yeah. I mean, it was it was maddening because I, I spent the weekend in the Hamptons, which sounds fancier than it was. I just like stayed in a room in a lady's house in the Hamptons, which was actually quite nice. But um it, you know, she was like obviously kind of like an aged hippie. She had like some Buddhas in the room and some crystals and stuff. It was very chill um, and like totally in the previous generation way of having Buddhas and crystals in your room, not the like millennial way. Like I was actually quite yeah, relaxed. Not like by it. stark minimalism. Yeah, with, like, no, no, it was crystal. definitely not a minimalist. Uh, there was a lot of stuff. So we, I mean, she was very sweet, but then she gave me a ride back to the train and we were just talking to her. She, she knew that I was, a, I, that I wrote about movies and then we were talking about TV and how she had been binging a show on Netflix. And I was like, oh, the, the one I'm working on is Wild Wild Country. And she didn't know about it. And I started to describe it for her. And she's like, oh, before I could even finish, she was like, oh, I met him. I met him in the seventies in India. Um, and uh, she said, she said that, and this was like 30 seconds before she dropped me off. Otherwise I would have just like no. peppered her with questions. <laughs> um, but she said that he, she would had been immediately put off by the sex cult stuff. Um, which is interesting because you don't meet those people in the dock. You don't you don't meet the people who met him and were like, mm, not for me. You meet the people who immediately were enchanted by his eyes and felt like they had to start crying and kissing his feet and whatever. So, you know, there's probably plenty of people who were like, mm, yeah, this doesn't feel like uh, my guru, not my guru. Uh, yeah, I like the idea of somebody who's like down enough to be like, well, I'm looking for someone and then be like, no, this person yeah. is yeah. bullshit. I yeah. I mean, the fact that she was in, I think she was in Bombay. Yeah. In the seventies and, you know, was likely with a group of people who were like, hey, we're going to go see this guy we've been hearing about. Well, without spoiling anything, uh, Taz and I were saying there's one Oregonian guy that is really likable. Oh, yeah. I know you're talking about the overalls guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Overalls guy is really cool and smart. And at the end, he kind of like sums everything up and he's like, you know, like, do I think he's a con man? Like, yeah, I think it was a con the whole time. And he's like, but I think like it was the 70s. There were all these Europeans like flocking to India looking for like answers and guidance and like wanting to believe in something. And this guy took advantage of that. But like these people wanted to be taken advantage of, you know, Yeah, and he also provided. I mean, if you're a Westerner who's looking for enlightenment in some kind of figure like him, the guy who's like, hey, you can totally drink champagne and be a capitalist and everything and also be enlightened. Totally. Like that's you the most attractive the with none of the like asceticism, which yeah. is like. You know, none none of the like, you don't have to give up anything. You just get to like indulge in everything even more so. Yeah. And everything good will happen to you. I would have fallen for it so many steps along the way. I think that the first thing that really impressed me was the fact that this cult was able to build such a nice house for Sheila in what seemed like no yeah. time. She the said they were working around the clock. was like, how did they build an airport? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's impressive. And when you start to think that, there, I mean, according to Sheila, which obviously this is kind of proven wrong because Bhagwan was taking Valium and nitrous oxide later on. But if it was a cult where, you know, drinking and drugs had been kind of replaced by sex and, and spirituality, I was kind of like, wow, it made them so industrious. I yeah. mean, they just made this really, <laughs> all these mid-century houses totally. all looking great. 
and the farming aspect was great. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it, it's really, for me, it was really astounding when they, when they bust in a bunch of homeless people to swing yeah, the Yeah, that's when also, that's the thing. It's like, you don't feel bad for the people in the cult necessarily because they like are willingly buying into being exploited. It's like the people who go to the haunted house. You're like, yeah. I think many of them willingly this. bought into yeah. the lie they were being sold that this religion was open to everyone, that America had turned its back on the homeless people, a yeah. lot of whom were veterans. I mean, I was kind of like, I wonder... If I would have smelled a rat at that well, point. Well, no, because you're like, I no, want to I believe that they so really just want to take care of people who really need it. Yeah, that uh, would have felt like putting your money where your mouth is, really. Like, exactly. okay, if we really believe like this is a philosophy for everybody, then we should be opening our doors to everybody. But yeah, it obviously... In a way, it was... It was much more disturbing to me than the bioterrorism, but that's probably because the result of the bioterrorism was not as intended. Well, they were also doing bioterrorism on the homeless people. That's yeah. Well, that what that the 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 variety of bioterrorism I thought was I, I was astounded. I mean, it's I find this a very difficult thing to binge because it's slow. It's well, not only because it's slow, but because it does kind of load it emotionally. I mean, yeah. it's very even handed. I think that that's the, the most frequent, you know, praise and criticism is that it's so even handed. The first episode is really just devoted to winning you over to the cult a bit before kind of. Well, Sheila is like a very charming sociopath as we were talking about a yes. little bit. Um, mm-hmm. The lawyer guy, I'm like not a fan of, but he's also like such a type. I realize halfway through that he looks like Bob Weir from the oh, Grateful totally. Dead. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, he and feels like somebody like, that you 100% know. He feels like a yeah. friend of your parents or something. He's, he's such like a y- yucky They all feel like friend, friends then. of my my mom. Like, <laughs> that's <laughs> well, also I asked my parents. Thing. I was like, did you know anyone who like joined? And they were like, well, not that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it like, also just seemed like people in the 80s really like longing for the 70s. You know, a lot of it seemed to be a response totally. to the people changing. People who are like in the bubble who yeah. are like, you know what? I don't. But but at the same time, it's so 80s because it's so capitalist. It is. Right. so. Ca- but, but couldn't you see? I mean, in terms of these people reminding you of parents, friends, couldn't you see them at the dinner table kind of talking about like the things they miss, like. Even yeah. just the flowy robes. Well, yeah. it's almost it's, all, it's like the change you can see between like the O's of maybe our generation being, you know, into I don't I don't know. You can you can fill in your own blanks here, but like for example, like scummy rooftop parties and like yes. people doing circuit bending on the roof or whatever, uh, oh, etc. Circuit bending. Fill, fill in your I own. I would join the circuit bending cult a hundred percent. You know what? But, I think you have an idea. Yeah, yeah. but I've then like but then ideas. but then it getting as you get older as as you move on to your 30s and 40s or whatever then you find the the more comforting like don't need to challenge capitalism and uh and the the social structure that much version of that like you find the kind of comfort version i think that split is super interesting obviously that thing of like the people who at the end of the 70s were like okay back to capitalism <laughs> like yeah back to like regular stuff because like that didn't work so like reboot and you know a lot of hippies did become like yuppie sellouts a lot of them made money in tech uh especially and then there's that sort of that technocratic capitalism it's like there's there's a lot of like steve jobsiness mm-hmm. to the rajneeshis oh totally like 
you know, do what you feel and also buy a lot of diamonds. (laughs) Oh man. When they get, when the Hollywood crowd gives him the role. Oh, I was just talking about Uh, that because the Hollywood crowd. So Tasia, is that her name? Hasia, I think. Hasia. She, um, cause I looked her up cause they, at one point they were like, she produced the Godfather. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, look into that. Yeah. Uh, and it was because she was married to yeah. Albert Ruddy, who produced The Godfather. Yeah, they, they show them at like the Oscars and stuff. I yeah, it was. Uh... Yeah, and that is obviously that's the thing is you're like I would love to see a map of like all the other cults that were going on at the same time because like when did the Source family end? Right. Like, you know, a lot of these things like petered out over a long period of time. Uh, some of them more quickly than others. There's like the Timothy Leary cult that he started that. You know, a lot of people like bought farmland and were like, let's try some stuff. And Mm -hmm. then in that one, I think uh, somebody took too much acid and and died in a lake. Mm. Yeah. And then everybody left. Because that's the thing is you're like, there is a little bit of like, when, where do the limitations and boundaries come in? Right. Yeah. You know, who has to be the grown up in these situations? It's like making sure people don't drown. Well, the fascinating part of, of, of this cult in particular is just like, uh, that is not like negligence or everybody just being so loosey goosey that somebody just falls in a lake and drowns. It's like, oh no, they were actually like they already, they had a deep state. <laughs> like, already, it was a tight ship. Yeah. I mean, that's you have to hand it to them, but that's of course as soon as they start, really as soon as they start accumulating the guns. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is like, how do you stop the cult from turning into a militia? Yeah. Or can yeah. you yeah. even ever stop that, or does it always just turn into a militia? <laughs> well, hey. Let's take a night call. <laughs> Good as time as any. Hey there. Uh, this is Max calling in. Uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you for the uh, podcast. I am an insomniac, so appropriately enough. Um, and it's often one or two in the morning when I'm listening. And uh, I do deal with loneliness and uh, depression. So it's nice during those long, lonely nights to have a sympathetic voice to listen to. Um, but anyway, actually kind of on that subject, uh, because of all the negativity going on uh, in the world these days, I uh, thought of asking you all to say what you like about each other the most. So Molly, talk to tell Tess and Emily what you like about them, and Emily and Tess, you do the same thing, and, you, you know, be be real here, be be, I mean, I know you guys are real, but like th- this, this might get intense. Like, make each other blush. And um, also, which one of you is the id? Which one is the ego? And which is the super ego? Uh, you guys are great. Thank you very much for contributing to my insomnia, but also to my happiness. And uh, peace and love. See ya. Peace and love. Um, Peace and love. I feel Thanks like for he, calling, Max. I feel like Max wants us to just have a like group therapy session as a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we're like eleven episodes in now. It's time. It is yeah, time. We got to do a check in. We got to do an emotional check in. Um, also, I'm. It, it makes me happy that 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 people are are actually listening to. The, anytime anybody calls in and is says that they actually listen to it at night. It's it's very heartwarming to me for some reason. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Thank <laughs> you Use, for listening. Using as intended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, who's the id, you guys? <laughs> Do we go around? <laughs> I feel like I have mine pretty clearly, but I'm wondering if everybody is going to be different just because. Okay, you do yours because you have it, and now I want to know. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
Molly is the id. I'm the ego. Yeah. And Tess is a super ego. Wow. That's what I thought. I'm the really? id. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're the, the id. <laughs> That's the I'm only so... one I feel really strongly about. But I, th- I thought, Emily, I think maybe you're the id. Whoa. <laughs> I thought maybe I thought you were the id. I can't and... be the id. I started like just the nature of this podcast and our and our original <laughs> life is girls and hoodies. Me being the editor between you two. I can never be the id of this podcast. I'm always going <laughs> to be true. either the ego or super ego. It's just impossible. I um, was struggling with Emily, which of us was the ego and which is the super ego. And I was like, I think it's whoever has more guilt. And, I think that, and so I was like, I think it's me. <laughs> I wanted to, I know this isn't exactly the question, but I really want to force this on you, yeah. um, which is uh, Cheers Astrology, which I now believe is real. Oh, tell me. No. I was like tweeting, I like, because I was watching a lot of Cheers, and I was like, guys, I think Wait, have I'm you, like... You've been watching a lot of Cheers, Molly? I haven't... Yeah, did you know? I, I haven't heard about it, this. Actually, <laughs> actually, I finished the whole show, watched all 11 seasons. Wow, uh, congratulations. No, no regrets. Thanks. Really making good use of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I was like, I'm a I'm a Carla with a Lilith rising, like like as a joke. And then somebody like wrote me a message and was like, I've been listening to you for like a long time, and like you're actually like here's what I think you are and why. And they what were did like, they you're think? not a Lilith like, rising though. They were like, you're a Rebecca because like you're cynical and you have like a deep voice and you have a Diane rising because you like use big words a lot. And <laughs> I can see that. And I was like, oh my god, they like read me to the ground. Like I kind of right. I kind of feel like you're a Diane Woody rising. I like that. I like to like <laughs> I that Woody. as well. But then I wanted to see what you guys think you are. Oh man, I have no idea. I feel I like have no, I, I'd have to have just watched eleven seasons to know. I feel the, I always remember problem. whenever I go back in and do a do a run of it. I've never watched the whole thing all the way through, but I always feel a, a very uh, strong affinity for Cliff. Cliff Clavin. What? Cliff sucks. I'm sorry. It's just... Uh, the show is like... like Cliff is one of those characters who at first I was like, he's so uh, new and weird. And then I, by the end, they all just are like, fuck off, Cliff. Like, <laughs> Amen. I haven't seen the end of... I haven't seen the end. So maybe you're a Cliff with a norm rising? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> God, I that's was, sad. <laughs> I was going to diagnose you as the rare double Lilith. What? <laughs> oh, my God. I like, uh, yeah, the double Lilith is strong. That's like a double Virgo or something. Tess, I think you might be. I think you're. There's a, Norm in there. I know this. No, I think you're a Diane with a Sam Malone rising. It's it's really hard Ooh. to say. I mean, I, I feel very like emotionally removed from Cheers. It's been a long time since I watched Cheers. You're I've been like living a, vicariously. You're a little it's hard Bostonian. I got. Yeah, I think you're little, more Bostonian, Bostonian than either of us. We'll say. I'm that. a little Bostonian too. Tess and I have a real high tolerance for Boston. Well, you guys oh went God, to school so on the East Coast, which I feel is more formative than me moving here almost in my 30s. Also, Molly's mom, my mom is from Boston. Is from Boston. Oh, Both right. of my parents are from Boston. Yeah. We like love a Massachusetts accent. Oh, I know. <laughs> and we we a lot of clam cakes yeah. between us. Yeah, <laughs> high tolerance. High tolerance. I could do a Soprano astrology. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. is Maybe. probably where I would. I think. Let's I, think yeah. About we'll that think about for it next week. Okay, perfect. But I think I think cheer astrology is real. Astrology might not be real, but cheer astrology <laughs> is real. Um, speaking of insomnia, 
spring is here and I don't know about you guys, but I always feel really exhausted during spring because it's not summer yet and it's still kind of winter and it's still definitely winter in New York, which sucks right now. But a, a good night, a good night's sleep can always counteract that. And right now, Lisa Mattresses is offering the biggest discount they've ever offered, which you can take advantage of if you go to lisa.com slash night call. It's $125 off their mattress. If you haven't tried a Lisa mattress before, they are insanely comfortable. I think I was always one of those people who thought I needed a really tough mattress or a really firm one because I don't know, I'm a masochist. But once you sleep on a Lisa mattress, you'll realize like, oh, there is a better way. Um, They have 11,000 plus five star reviews and people really know what they're talking about. Lisa mattresses were designed to provide support and pressure relief to every body type and sleeper for a deeper night's sleep. So whether you're a back sleeper, a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, although don't do stomach sleeping, I've heard. I've heard that's bad. Train yourself out of it. You get more oxygen to your brain at at night, I think, something like that. But no matter how you sleep, Lisa mattresses will be uh, astoundingly comfortable. They are also socially conscious with a mission to end bedlessness in America. And there's one mattress donated for every 10 sold and one tree planted for every order received. And they have donated 23,000 mattresses so far. So they're a company that you can feel great about supporting and also sleeping on. But don't sleep on this. Go to lisa.com slash nightcall right now to get $125 off your mattress. Again, this is the deepest discount you're going to find. So you should take advantage of it. And uh, tell them we sent you here at Nightcall. As far as saying nice things about each other, <laughs> can I just say that one of the nice things that has been really fun to think about recently is that we've been working together for what eight years no. off and on what i was thinking about it the other day i because i wrote my per- first piece for grantland i believe in 2011 molly oh, wow. had joined then as well emily i think you came i came in 2012 when? 2012. Yeah. And so that's when we all started working together. It sort of has like opened a portal to the last time we all had a show it's together. Strange. Um, yeah. Which was totally, I mean, I will say I uh, started the podcast because I was like I, still at that point and it got better over the course of time that I worked there, but there were about, I think, three total uh, Grantland female employees. Um, yep. And so I think I, I desperately wanted to have. <laughs> A corner. Uh, well, the first the first name that the podcast was almost when we were like, "What should it be called?" and they were like, "How about Grantland W?" And we were like, "No." We spent so many months just being like, "No, yeah, no, no. no W, yeah, no just w. regular." But I mean, it's it's kind of cool when you think about how many people do you work with, you know, over that amount of time, and you take breaks and you come back together. Um, because when we when we first started working together, it was. A different world. Yeah, you guys. I get very yeah. emo thinking about yeah. it because I'm like, wow, those people that are my friends from that time are like, we have known each other for a long time now, but obviously yeah. I'm always still like five or six years behind where I actually reality is. So I'm like, <laughs> that was just yesterday. Yeah. I'm like, no, it was a long time ago. And it's now. also like the industry has changed so much. I mean, when we started, when we all started working together, it just everything looked completely different yeah. and the optimism was completely different. And I think it's kind of amazing for me to see what you guys have done since then and how you've continued to kind of work separately. Like we've all been doing our own things, but I pretty regularly have been checking in about what we're all interested in and 
There was never a moment when I didn't like wish we still had a show. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me too. And and I mean, I, during the last Girls in Hoodies when I called in, I cried. Yeah. We yeah. cried. Oh, man. So I think it's cool when you admire the people that you work with so much that you kind of seek them out across different places, you know, yeah. Emily me, so Emily scrubbed her Facebook and she sent this message that she had sent to me on Facebook <laughs> that was like a fan email before yeah. we were friends that I totally never got or I would have responded to. I didn't like read it and be like, because Emily was like, you probably read this and we're like, you're a stalker. <laughs> well, it was <laughs> because was we thinking, had a lot of friends in common and I think you yeah. had liked something of mine on Facebook and then I was like, hey, I should like strive up a conversation with Molly because yeah. we have so many friends in common and then it no, didn't happen for like three more years or something. <laughs> Yeah, but it was like that, you know, that optimistic internet time also when we were all on Tumblr and we were like making friends through the internet and being like, this is cool. Like, it's no longer sketchy to make friends through the internet. It's like you meet people that write things you like online and then you meet them in real life and they're kind of like the person that you met online. Yeah. Although some people are totally different in real life and that's also really weird. Well, now, I mean, at this point, we have old friends who are internet friends, whereas it always seemed like those those are going to be kind of your new friends. Passing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're your new friends. They're not like your close friends. But, it, you know, now I've it's seen a certain kind of there are people that you're like intimate with on the Internet at like a certain level of like maybe you've never met them, but you like, quote unquote, know them for like a decade. Yeah, now yeah. it's been now you have old <laughs> friends who are your Internet friends and some of them end up getting married. I've seen two couples from Tumblr get married, wow. have kids. Yeah. Oh, um, man. It's it's fun. But anyway, I think one of you the were things the first person on Tumblr I ever witnessed that. get married, Tess. <laughs> oh, really? Hey. But I didn't <laughs> marry a Tumblr person, so no. it's not as special. It's not as spicy. Objectively. But yeah, it's not as spicy. Probably both better pre, for the... <laughs> a pre-wedding hashtags time. But I'm actually, I feel like I'm closest with the female friends that I've made from the internet. And I don't really, I mean, I guess it's because if you're straight and you're making opposite gender friends on the internet, you have a high probability of like one of you creeping the other out at some point. But <laughs> yeah, but it's nice because, you know, we're old internet friends and real friends and it's been, we've been potting in one form or another for a while. So I appreciate that. About internet you. friends. Internet friends. Um, I'm uh, going to say one, I'm going to say really quickly two nice things about e- or one nice thing about each of you rather Tess. I think you have very good intuition about, everything that you like and don't like and believe in. And I think that's, I'm more wishy-washy, so I admire that. And Molly, I think you are probably the most curious person I know, which is a great quality. That's all. Oh, that's nice. Guys. <laughs> Wait, did I say nice things about you? I'm going to... No, you didn't. <laughs> you don't have to. I was just thinking. No, yeah. I want to. I like this question. Um, yeah, Emily, I think you're a brilliant genius. Um <laughs> Tess, I also think you're a brilliant genius. I love you guys. And it's cool to be on the internet radio again together. Yeah. Okay, okay. Let's okay. take a different night call. We're, We're done. Night call. We're done. Guys, I got allergies. I got to go. Bye. <laughs> hey, friends. It's 1.15 in the morning on a Tuesday, which in my life means I'm just finished up with tabletop RPG night uh, during the week and returned home occasionally scouring the internet for uh, new ideas or games we might play in the future uh, and stumbled upon a post from uh, Reddit user Funnel27 that is uh, a Frasier RPG, tabletop RPG entitled Boss Dragons and Scrambled Eggs. So obviously I thought of the three of you and whether or not you've had any experience with 
tabletop RPGs? And if so, if you'd be interested in playing uh, an RPG with Niles, Fraser, Lilith, and Daphne, have a have a good evening. Well, yes, I have played tabletop RPGs. You guys have, haven't? I don't. I don't remember. Uh, no, we're not nerds. I don't oh, know right, what it right. is. I always I forget. I'm the only nerd. <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, right? oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's like, a, it's, it's like you, about, the one right? you play with pen and paper and dice. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, then uh, I have. You yeah. have? Well, I played Dungeons and Dragons in junior high. You did? You knew that. <laughs> no, I did not. I like didn't do it, I think, because I was like, Tess would think it was uncool. <laughs> Only once or twice, okay? Only once or twice. There were like some kids who played magic in the break room, I remember. I played a little magic in the break room. You did? But only like once or twice. Oh Oh my God. God. You don't need to downplay it. Be proud, Tess. Be proud. No, but the problem was that I had trouble understanding the rules. Yeah, I don't like like those kinds of games because there are too many rules. It was awful because I I was ashamed and then I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And I started doing it and then it made me feel dumb and bad at being a nerd and so it wasn't even the uncoolness it was my ineptitude yeah. that made me not want to do it anymore. I, I can't I can't deal with structured gameplay well Molly will will be like let's play Scrabble and then it'll this get to, just, just to the gonna, point where you're winning you're and just, she'll be like I, I gotta get out that's of here. just one time <laughs> I have a place to be and you're like you know you have to play Scra- and you know it's not like Molly been going really fast and everyone else is taking yeah. like, a long time Everybody's doing their best. I get too antsy. And then Molly's got to go. Games take too long. The only game that doesn't take too long is Boggle. I know. I Boggle's the best game. <laughs> That's funny because I, I, my experience, and I don't think this is a bad thing at all because I also like, I like, I like board games a lot. And I think people who, like, I think that it is, I, I tend to think of it with anxiety in my mind. Like, if you have, if you tend to be antsy or have social anxiety or like maybe like, I don't know, it, it, like it's tough. Then a board game is always reliable because you're like, ah, an interaction I can do. Like, I think that's oh, no. a lot I of like the, the, I'm always like, you know, what's a great interaction is just talking, talking. Yeah. And but we played but, Uno at a bar for a while. Yeah, we did play Uno at a bar. And that was really fun. That was fun. I do like Uno. I like Uno. I also like, I like video game RPGs a lot. Those are my favorite yeah. video games. Yeah. So they're Japanese the chillest. RPGs yeah. from the 90s. Mystical Ninja, greatest game of all time. Yeah. I mean, um, I like I like tabletop RPGs. I like um, I, I think I got really obsessed with the idea of running one, like doing like creating a campaign, um, being a dungeon master, being a dungeon master. And I, I think spent you're the a, dungeon master of this podcast. A little bit. <laughs> you are. Well, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out and that shit is hard because I like playing tabletop RPGs, but I have to be told what to do all the time because I'm never quite. Like, you know, I never really know when to do a saving throw or something like that. Usually yeah, if I've been playing I mean. for it's a second. Hard. Yeah, but it's hard. It shouldn't be hard. I love just uh, I love creating a character. Like when I was in high school, I played a fair amount of games. I played like probably mostly the World of Darkness games like Vampire. What are those? It's what a, is that? It's like Vampire the Masquerade and shit. It's like the stuff I that, love how like I'm like making fun of you guys for being nerds. And like I like all kinds of other things that are just <laughs> as nerdy. Just not this specific one. Yeah. But I, I mean, honestly, I would spend most of my I, I probably played it, you know, so less than World 10 of times. Darkness is like a like a interview with the vampire themed. It's a modern it's modern gothic horror. Um it's Oh my uh, god. 
it's like, uh, so there so it's a bunch it's a collection of games and they can kind of be used together if you want but then there are ones that are just for um just for magicians called mage the ascension and there's one called <laughs> uh and the vampire okay. one is the most famous one that's that's vampire the masquerade there's a werewolf one there's a, oh but you just really breeze past vampire the masquerade where does the masquerade come in um well the, the masquerade is the uh is the collective act of vampires to uh live among humans undetected it is the masquerade the Ur masquerade (laughs) (laughs) Um. (laughs) okay cool Lestat yeah 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 so uh but so there's all these different classes of vampires that you can be on they all different so there's like the artsy romantic ones and there's like the like um like blue blood ones and they're who is your character um there's like an academic class of them so, or no, no 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 that's in mage i i had a character that was one of those i don't mage yeah i don't who remember was your mage uh that was like a professor it was like a yeah it was like a professor professor of vampires uh, maybe i don't yeah uh i think no I it's me professor bloodthirst i live amongst <laughs> you don't look look at me in a mirror too i'm a closely. doctor of phlebotomy <laughs> Um, my basement apartment don't don't look too close but that one is like like well there is a there is a species of the vampire ones that are called like the Nosferatu vampires where you look like Nosferatu and you're so ugly and scary that like immediately people run away from you like that's just built if you're gonna be that kind of character it's just like part of it is you're never gonna be able to like you know con your way into human yeah no you won't you, Uh, you have to hide out but that's such a an allegory for being a teen. <laughs> <laughs> totally. No wonder they loved it. No Fraserati. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying oh, yeah, to th- So would you guys be down for a Fraser a Fraser RPG? Totally. Yeah, I feel like it would be the Fraser RPG would not be it wouldn't be like I mean, you could do one where you're just playing as the central cast, but I feel like a more interesting open version of the game would be um like a Seattle 90s um role playing game. So you could, you know what this should be? It should be a (laughs) CD-ROM. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It kind of reminds me, um, you remember Jesse, an an ex of mine, but he wanted to, he always wanted to do a show that took place in a, um, took place in a cafe in the nineties in Seattle, like just as like a world um, that it just like the people in. that live next to Fraser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like the people, like well, the I've staff getting, of Cafe been, Nervosa. Basically, I've been getting really into side stories, just as like a thing that I know is like a th- big thing in anime. Where yeah, it's like oh, another story that takes place during the main story that everyone knows. There's like a battle royale one. That's yeah, like hey, here's some other kids who were trapped during battle royale. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I do love the idea of just like yeah, like who is like the Gunther of Fraser? It's like. <laughs> Like a bulldog, yeah, you know, a bulldog plot line, yeah, about or like bulldog's secret life. Yeah, I feel like you could have, you know, the different classes would be like, I mean, they would be literal classes. They would be like socioeconomic classes, and there would be things that you wouldn't be able to do if you were pulling minimum wage at Cafe Nervosa that you um, would be able to do if you were part of the wine club or the opera club or something. <laughs> uh, and then there should be like like a the movie singles. There should be like a cast. Yeah, from there, like a grunge cast. Yeah, well, totally. I mean, I mean, Emily, if you were wanting to do an RPG, this may be the one to do. Now that we're discussing, well, it. well, I so it seems like it it's hard menu. to. Um, it's sort of hard to. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons has the most um, familiar rules to most people, so you, it like theoretically is best to build off of to to make something. But there are also parts of it that are just like 
in unescapably Dungeons and Dragonsy, like just like the way you do combat, like having an axe instead of a, you know, I don't, it's just like kind of some of it is inescapably fantasy oriented. Um, Cause I wanted to do one that was set in um, a post-apocalyptic Portland. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I had kind of mapped it out. Like I was using an actual city map and everything. Uh, I think the theme of this episode is post-apocalyptic Pacific Northwest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the theme of every episode that in a way. The well, there's something very, uh, I think compelling about how everything, like instead of things kind of turning to dust or something and in, in the plains or um, in the desert oh, or something, yeah, that it, it all turns green. Yeah, it becomes uh, annihilation. It's annihilation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just in like <laughs> bright green emerald moss all over, yeah. like eating buildings. I love, I love when stuff goes back to nature. Yeah. Hey, speaking of going back to nature. Yeah. We asked for some ghost stories and you guys really delivered. Um, if you have a ghost story that you would like to share, you can give us a call at 24046night or email us at nightcallpodcast at gmail. Just keep throwing that at you. Um, but I think we should take some ghost story night calls, you guys. Yeah, let's take some night stories. Hey, night call. This is Kate. I'm calling with a spooky story for you. It's something that ha- has happened to me recently. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, probably two weeks, uh, I've been getting calls from um, a private number. So I assume someone who has, I think, star 67 their number. So I can't see the number. It's, it's private. It's blocked. And the first couple of times I missed it or ignored it because who answers private numbers? Um, and it never left a message. Uh, then finally I picked it up. I was in a car with some friends and I put it on speaker just to be like, what's going on? And uh, the first thing I hear is, hello, like the um, ice cream truck thing, that voice that's like, hello. And then it starts with an ice cream truck song. I can't remember if it's the Scott Joplin song or... Um, do your ears hang low or whatever? But anyway, it's a recording of Ice Cream Truck, and it just loops. Um, so obviously I was pretty freaked out, um, and I kept getting the calls for the next couple of days, and and I I only answered it like one or two more a uh, two more times. Um, but each time it was the exact same thing, and luckily it just um. So then I just started ignoring them, obviously. Um and it never left a message. Uh, so that was the biggest blessing because I hate uh, voicemails, um, especially creepy <laughs> ice cream truck loops. Um, but so this got me thinking, uh, uh, if you all have ever had an experience that made you feel like you were actually trapped in uh, a horror film. Um, but luckily the calls have actually stopped. Um, I almost hesitated to make this call because I didn't want to jinx anything. So anyway, that's my spooky story. Um, and uh, let me know what you think. Okay, bye. That is very disconcerting. <laughs> uh, that did not go where I thought it was going to go. Yeah, that's so scary. It's terrifying. And it's so funny because we read, we got a bunch of ghost stories. And some of them I feel like had more kind of like who knows on their if face it's, scary yeah. things. But this one was, it stuck with me. Oh, it's so unsettling. The uh, ice cream truck music is already a little scary. Especially yeah. the hello. <laughs> I mean, that's how I answer the phone yeah. when I Hello. pick it up, but not, yeah, <laughs> not vice versa. <laughs> Hello, it's me. Hello. Um, that is really scary. You know, that that goes back to something that I was always really afraid of. I don't know 
where I would have gotten this idea from. I think it was maybe a baby a babysitter's club book, like the second babysitter's club book, I want to say, is where there's like a phantom phone caller that's terrifying the babysitters. Uh, but the just the thing of, of somebody calling and not saying anything, but you can hear breathing on the line and then hanging up, that was always like a big anxiety of mine growing up. Uh, did it ever happen to yes, you? Yes, it did happen to me once and I was home alone. And I uh, I remember... I remember, oh yeah, no, that was, okay, yeah, this is the one, like, most, the most insane, like, thing I ever did as as a freaked out kid was that I was home alone, this happened to me, and I was so scared, I ran barefoot to our neighbor's house uh, down the street, and, uh, like, I don't know, I think I left a note for my mom, and then just, like, left as soon as I could, (laughs) because I immediately started thinking about, like, how am I going to get out of the house, will I have to jump out of the window, like, all this stuff, and um, I remember... My neighbor was watching Uli's Gold, uh, <laughs> and that is now my principal uh, association with that movie. Who's uh, that? Peter Fonda. Yeah, the Peter Fonda movie about him being a beekeeper. Um, <laughs> but the opposite of spookiness. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's a lovely, a lovely movie. Yeah. Oh, the gold is honey. Yeah. Oh, guys. Um, yeah, there's something very Stephen King. About that, obviously, anything that's like a children's thing made spooky. Yeah. Well, it's like a clown kind of thing yeah. too. The janky music. It's reminding me also of like now. I'm gonna reveal that I also am a huge nerd uh, who read the Christopher Pike, The Last Vampire. Oh, I love Christopher Pike. Did you read those ones ever? The Last I think Vampire. So. They were like a little, little more violent than some of the others. Uh, they're great. And there's one where the girl who's a vampire, I think, like chops someone's head off in or somebody's head gets chopped off in an ice cream truck and the dialogue is like my favorite flavor like cherry red oh. this stayed with me forever oh so obviously <laughs> it was very vivid in my mind i uh, actually got a call last week and it was on my landline and i picked up the phone and it was a guy who was like you're going to go to hell when you die. And then hung up the phone and I Googled the number that it had come in on. And it wasn't a recording. It was a real person. And it's a known thing. Um, It's a really, I mean, it's a, it's a very half-assed attempt at like an extortion via like, kind of casually thrown together religious group, I guess. Whoa. It's a known scam. It's a known scam. And that, it's, I but had it was a note, terrifying. That, but it was a person on it. It wasn't recorded. It was a person. That's so yeah. freaky. Cause I oh, had a scam so happen to me over the weekend, but it was a robo call. And it was like a very robot voice, which is sometimes more scary. Cause it sounds like Hal yeah. or something. Um, but telling me that I was getting sued by the um, IRS for like, uh, the IRS is suing scary. you. Yeah. Those phone calls that tell you, uh, I got some calls for a while that were coming from like a Texas prison that scared the hell out of me. And then I found out it was a scam. But also I was like, who do I know that would be in prison in Texas, like calling me? Uh, And I thought about it a lot. And then I found out it was a scam. But I I got some heavy breathing calls like a couple years ago uh, on my cell phone. And it was like a private number. Couldn't call back. They would just call and like breathe and be creepy. I would hang up. It totally creeped me out. And then I like called the cops to be like, what can I do? And they were like, nothing. (laughs) There's nothing we can do. They were like, they just didn't care. Um, So, yeah, I don't know uh, who's calling with the ice cream. But the ice cream truck is such a specific, like, what are you trying to do? Yeah, that's so scary, too, because anything like that, I'd be like, what are you trying to tell me? Exactly. What does it mean? It's meant to drive you mad Maybe. searching for the right. meaning. Because if it's random, then it's still really weird. She should record um, it if she can or like 
yeah get a recording of it and like like uh zoom and enhance on it only with the audio version of that and find out I'm if there are come any up clues with a, yeah here's the wholesome answer is maybe it's like a child calling you from a playground <laughs> Accidentally, oh, no. come on! They're just accidentally calling. Dream on! It's not a, that. There's an ice cream truck just right there, and then always just, at the same point in the song. No way. Uh, on loop. No way. Hello. Well, maybe, hello. maybe by us getting the, the the word out, maybe somebody else will have gotten this too, and, and we can triangulate and figure out what's yeah, going on. Yeah, if you've gotten a prank call from an, an ice, ice cream, cream truck ghost, let us know. Let us know. We're here in service of of the people. Uh, maybe it's like. Like a spirit trying to escape from like a Powerpuff Girls like popsicle or something. Like <laughs> set me free if you say the right thing. Oh weird. Don't say the right thing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kate, for your for your call and for giving us nightmares for the next few weeks. Um, and thank you, everybody, for listening to Night Call. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes if you aren't already and leave us a review. We love reviews. The more, the merrier. You can also follow us on Twitter at Night Call Pod, Facebook at Night Call Podcast, and Instagram at Night Call Podcast. And as always, give us a night call at 24046NIGHT. That's 24046NIGHT or Night Call Podcast at gmail.com. Um, that's all. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Wow. <laughs> Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.
Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on I'm people that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in exactly. to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, right. which is different than empathy. Yeah. Right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.